Yeah. Okay. You're good. Okay. Hi, everybody. My name is Rick, and I am a compulsive overeater coming to you from not so sunny today, Miami. I'm really blessed to be here. I'm really glad to be here. And by the way, thank you, Eileen, for asking me. I see that you're here. And um, this works out perfectly because today I wasn't able to get to my usual and customary Wednesday meeting. So it's just created an opportunity for me to be here tonight. Um, I want to say a few things, then we'll get to talk. We're going to talk tonight about the fifth step. And I, I just want to say a few things that are introductory to me, um, which is the, the first is that choose your own conception is amazing because the truth of the matter is were it not for Ebby saying to Bill, Bill, why don't you choose your own conception of God? Uh, I wouldn't be here tonight. And if I wasn't here tonight, then the likelihood is that I wouldn't be alive today either if I hadn't been introduced to the 12 steps into Overeaters Anonymous, which is my primary addiction. I'm a member of other fellowships, but this is the one that's out to get me. This is the one that's most likely to kill me. This is the one that I've had the most trouble through the years uh, maintaining control of because I had my own conception of God and it was I'm God because I came to the program an atheist. Um, and if somebody had said to me, this is the way it's got to be when it comes to God and this is whether I would have just turned around and walked away. Uh, but those brilliant words that allowed me to at least say, I'll, I can try to operate in contempt, uh, you know, without contempt prior to investigation and that I can try to develop it. I don't know what it is. I don't believe, you know, I not only didn't believe in God, but when I got here uh, to the 12 step programs, I didn't think I had a problem, <laughs> you know? So that's two strikes already. I came into the program not believing I had a problem and not believing in God. And something happened, something happened. And it was my first fifth step, which occurred at my first meeting with, uh, with, another, with another member of the program. And so I'm going to talk about that a little bit because it's just an, an amazing coincidence. And by the way, when I say that I wouldn't be here, I'm absolutely certain in, in the law, there's something called, you know, the burden of proof. You hear about it in civil cases. It's a preponderance of the evidence in criminal cases, you know, beyond a reasonable doubt. Beyond a reasonable doubt is an abiding conviction to a moral certainty. And I have an abiding conviction to a moral certainty that, but for the 12 steps of all of the programs, and especially starting out with the big book, and the 12 steps as they apply to us in Overeaters Anonymous, I'd be a dead man. I would not be alive today based on, on my father and his brothers and what their medical conditions were and how they handled the problems in their life and their afflictions and their addictions. There's no question but that I'd be dead today. But I'm alive today, and I'm alive today, and I'm thriving today. I, I, I'd say that I'm healthier today and more filled with life than I was 30 years ago, easily easily and there's only one reason and it's it's what we found here it's what's available to us it's the solution the other thing i want to say from an introductory point of view that relates to this meeting choose your own conception of god is that i'm lucky enough that i get to work in in addiction treatment so i'm, I'm kind of on the freight front lines i work in a uh, first 28 days of addiction treatment detox um with with a lot of young people who are just in the worst time of their lives. 
And, and there are plenty of psychiatrists and psychologists and doctors and practitioners and nurses and multiple therapists and everything else. But in the place where I work, I'm the recovery guy. I'm the guy that gets to bring them the program. I'm the guy that gets to show them how this program can support uh, the therapy to get them to do it. And one of the biggest problems I've got is that I only have them for a short period of time that I get to work with them. Some of them have never seen the 12 steps. Some of them have lost it. Some of them have different feelings about higher power. Uh, and my immediate job that I don't have very long to accomplish is to get them to not only do step one, but to come to terms with the concept of a power greater than themselves and the God of their understanding to deal with that moral psychology as opposed to straight psychology and it's always a battle for me and the first person i'm always looking for is not the one who has a great relationship with god but the one in the room who is the atheist the one in the room who's at, who's lost who's lost that relationship with the god of his understanding or her understanding uh and it's the thing and that the concept of choosing your own conception of god is something that that lives for me on a daily basis in trying to improve the lives of others. You know, we're lucky, we get we get brought to this and then if we stay abstinent and if we do the work, we get the opportunity to be of service. And and I, I've told, you know, I talked a little bit about this abiding conviction to a moral certainty. So I was a trial lawyer earlier in my life. I'm not anymore today. I'm not anymore today. Most importantly, today I get to save lives. I get to try to save lives. I get to participate. I get to do service because I've worked through the 12 steps and I've been in the program now 25 years or so. So I love that. So what happened was that when I was a trial attorney, I was in trouble. I was in trouble. I had an eating disorder. I was an alcoholic. I was an addict. I wasn't doing well in life and I needed a defense. And the defense brought me to something called Florida Lawyers Assistance where I met with these people and also with my law partner. We both came in at the same time. Um, and I sat down with the guy who was the administrator and, and the assistant, the, the director and the assistant director. And we had a nice conversation, you know, and, and all of a sudden they said, so tell us, why are you here? What did you do? And I went cold just immediately, just dead ice pan cold. Cause this is the point now where I say to them, this is what I did. This is how I screwed up. This is why I'm no good. And this is the point where you say to me, how could you do that? What were you thinking? You're going to be sanctioned. You're going to have to pay the price. Tell me I'm no good. I, I already know it. I already know it. And I thought, oh, man. So I'm going to tell this guy this. And he, just like everybody else who I ever confided in in my life, they're going to turn it around and push the buttons back on me just when I don't want that to happen. I said, okay. All right. And I told him a few things that I had done wrong, you know, and I waited for him to say those words to me about, you're no good, you're less than. And the guy just looked at me. He just looked at me for a moment, you know, and he didn't say anything. And then he said something that was magical. I'm getting goosebumps right now. It's all these years later. He said, I understand. <laughs> you know? And I, I just looked at him. I'm like, oh, oh, he didn't judge me. And he didn't judge me because I didn't understand it. You know, I, I didn't know what was going on, but he didn't judge me. It was the first time, really, the first time it seemed like he didn't judge me. Somebody didn't judge me. 
And then I so and then he said, continue, you know. And I told him a few more things. And then he said something even more magical. He said, you know, Rick, I did that too. You know? And I went, oh my God, he not only he not only doesn't judge me, but he's done some of the same things that I've done. And he understands me. And the reason he understands me. I didn't, I, it's, that wasn't, it was how I felt and I didn't express it that way in my mind, but he understood me because he was me. He understood me because he was me and what a magnificent thing to happen. Um, so I was in the room with my law partner. We were both meeting with, with this, with these people. And I sat back and they started to talk to my law partner about what he had done, <laughs> why we were there, what trouble we were in. Um, and as he was talking to my law partner, I started to cry. Uh, not whale tears, not not the big whopper tears, but you know, my throat just had a knot in it, and and my eyes missed it up, and I had this feeling. I'm in a conference room in Fort Lauderdale, and I've got this feeling of I swear to you, warm tropical breezes blowing over me, and I have this feeling like. It wasn't a feeling that I'd screwed up. It wasn't a feeling that I was no good. It wasn't a feeling that I was in trouble. It was a sense of there's an opportunity here. I don't know what it is. I've never seen any 12-step things. I don't know what that is. I don't know what any of this stuff is. I thought I've heard of this Alcoholics Anonymous thing. And, and by the way, by the way, I'm in this room. I I uh, remember I said, I, I've got all these, all of my addictions progressed at the same time. I'm not one of those people that had an eating disorder and then came in and then got drunk or that got drunk and then stopped that and had an eating disorder or drug. They all developed at the same time. But sitting in this room, an interesting thing is that I was 280 pounds. Um, right now I'm 198 pounds and I was 280 pounds and I'm, I'm, a, I'm six foot two and I'm a thin guy. So I have a thin face, but at 280 pounds, thin body, you know, I'm, I'm at 280 pounds, my face was busting out, chins all everything, you know, I couldn't tie my shoes, it would take like three shots because I would lose my breath, you know, I mean, everything was my life was just, you know. And so they said, well, tell me, do you do alcohol? Do you drink? Do you drug? They didn't. And they, you know, did they say? You know, Rick, it seems obvious to us that you're substantially overweight and you're having trouble breathing. You must have an eating disorder, you know. But the truth of the matter is that they didn't ask me that. And later on, I talked to them about it and they said, you've got a problem with your license to practice law. Do you think we're really going to go to the Florida bar and the Supreme Court of the state of Florida and say this guy missed some hearing or he didn't do something he was supposed to do or he didn't return phone calls because... He can't stop from eating, <laughs> you know? So it wasn't accepted. It wasn't accepted society. And, and, and that really is my, that really is how I feel about things, that that society doesn't really accept us, doesn't understand us. We don't really, un people in other 12-step programs don't understand us. How can we expect the people out in the world to really understand us? But I am a compulsive overeater. And, and that day, I was relieved of the obsession and the compulsion not to overeat, but to drink and drug, because that's what I came in for, for six months or so, long enough 
for me to develop some conception of a God of my understanding, at least to open the door to it, and also to acknowledge that I was powerless at that time over those other things. I, it took me a couple of years to get here. It took me a couple of years to get here. But that day in that office, not knowing what the steps were, not understanding anything, I embarked on a fifth step with somebody who understood me and who made a huge difference in my life and brought me to a way of thinking and a solution to my problems that was all encompassing that would give me the ability to sit here 25 years later and speak to everybody here. You know, it works. It really does. And the truth of the matter is that I was isolated in the things that were wrong with me. I was isolated in the spiritual malady that possessed me. I was shy. I was isolated socially, even though I was a loudmouth trial attorney. But the reason I was a loudmouth trial attorney was because underneath it all, I felt less than. And by being loud and gregarious and obnoxious, and hopefully a little bit less today, but still that way, um, I could hide how I really felt about myself. I could do that. So what is this? What, what, what are we talking about here? I haven't even mentioned it, have I? We're doing the fifth step. You know, we're doing the fifth step. Admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Um, the exact nature of our wrongs. I looked at at the uh, big book before I came here tonight, just to look back at it. And the thing that I noticed was that on, on page 73 of the big book, when it starts to talk about the fifth step, it talks about admitting the exact nature of our defect of our defects, of our wrongs. So our, our, my wrongs are the result of my defects. My defects are the result of developing over a lifetime those character defects, um, which expanded since I was a little kid. And in doing that fifth step, when I got to do it ultimately with a sponsor, I was able to look back at some things that I realized detrimentally affected my life going forward that should have had no bearing on me whatsoever that, but that affected how I went through all the ensuing circumstances from the point when I was in the first day in kindergarten, when I said kindergarten, kindergarten, something embarrassing happened to me that shouldn't have been embarrassing, you know, and then I looked around the class and they, everybody was going like, you know, and I was positive that they were talking about me. I was positive that they were laughing at me. Um, and it was a negative experience. So I didn't have a confidence-building experience of my first contacts with other kids in a classroom setting. I had one where I started to think that they were talking about male, and immediately that I'm less than. And what do I build on that? I build on that concept that when I run into further people and I run into circumstances, I can't be trustworthy. I've got to stay back in myself and, and, and can't participate. And I develop negative experience over negative experience over negative experience um, to the point that it just to go. Wow, seriously. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. That was that, that time flies when you're having a good time, doesn't it? Five minutes left. Okay. Okay. So so let's talk about this quickly. <laughs> so I did a fifth step with this with this guy who was my sponsor. And my my uh, inclination is that in the big book, it says, you notice in the big book, it doesn't say to do a fifth step with a sponsor because there weren't sponsors in the big book. But the fact is, by the time they got around to writing the 12 and 12, 
there were sponsors and they do talk about it in the 12 and 12. And I always suggest, and it worked for me to, even though you could go to a priest or you can go to a rabbi or you can go to a psychologist, it's all talked about in the big book. I say for me, it worked with a sponsor because the sponsor was somebody who got to know me, who got to understand me, who also could call me on my garbage and who could see, you know, who could see those things that were lining up, that were common, who understood it from a point of view of this. He did something very, and by the way, so it's, what is it? It's nine months into it that I got to do my fifth step. I'm around eight or nine months in. Um, and we got together. So I'm developing my conception of God. I don't really, it, I don't have it yet. You know, I don't have it. It's not even on my mind when it comes to doing a fifth step. I got my fifth step ready and I met with him and we sat down in the beginning of that fifth step. And he said, let's pray. And I said, what? <laughs> he said, let's invite God into this because you're admitting to God you know, to yourself and, and to me, the exact nature of your wrongs. And it really took me back. But he really brought it home to me that God was part of these proceedings. And God has continued to be part of these proceedings. So the wonderful thing was that I did the same thing with him. Um, and we and I, I went through hour after hour, and he went and I went through all the problems. And I had you know, I had developed all of the lists and I brought all the lists with me. I did it the big book way and I've done it uh, in the 12 and 12 way out of our, our Readers Anonymous 12 and 12. I've done it all those ways. So why should I do this? Why should why should I even do a first 12 step? Why is it a fifth step? Why is it even necessary? Because it says if we don't do this, we may not overcome our big book, may not overcome our drinking, you know, because if I don't do this, to my knowledge, I'm not going to overcome my compulsive overeating. I have to work all the steps. And the fifth step is, is an, an important one, you know. It's also important to do the fourth step and then jump right ahead to the fifth step because I know so many people who have done a third step and, and then fought doing the fourth step and then finally gotten the fourth step done, but then been in the torment that exists when we stir everything up but we stir it up and it doesn't, if it doesn't come out, then it just stays forced down where I put it all those years. I've got to do a fifth step. I've got to get it out. It's the beginning to the end of isolation. And I was an isolating individual. You know, I isolated all my life. And the truth of the matter is that I'm better with it today, but I still have a penchant for isolating. You know, uh, we, we have social things here. Sometimes my roommate will have people over and, and, um, you know, I'm social and, and I like to hang around with people. But after a while, I'm always looking for a way out. So I always have to work on on the fact that I like to isolate, you know. Um, but I'm part of everything now. You know, I'm part of this 12-step program, this admitting my, you know, the exact nature of my wrongs to somebody else. Stop me from playing the unique card. Stop me from being involved in my disease gave me the ability to continue along the path, to look at my problems, to look at the reasons that I acted that way, gave me the ability to not want to medicate myself all the time. And how do I medicate myself these days? Well, I don't. I don't. Not by eating. But it is by eating. that it, That is my form of medication. That's the thing that I want to do. So Nothing could be more important. This is the place where you get to stir the pot 
and stir the pot and then get the toxins out of the pot, right? That cauldron, double, double, toil and trouble, cauldron, burn, fire, bubble. Fourth step, we stirred it around, but in the fifth step, we let it go. Let it go, talk to somebody about it, find out that we're not less than, get that sense of humility, at least the beginning of a sense of humility. I'm not better than you, but I'm not less than you. We're all equals and we all love each other. And, and the greatest gift that I got through the fifth step, continuing in all the other steps was that I came to the program a person involved with hatred. I loved a few. I was indifferent to the many. I hated the rest of them. Today, I don't hate anybody. I don't hate anything. It's really the truth. It's not even in my vocabulary, except when I'm telling you how I used to feel. Today, I have a capacity to feel love for my for everybody. You know, where, where can you get that for a buck? <laughs> you can't, you know? So I'm going to close up by saying this. I love you all. I really do. And I re and in my first meeting, if some guy like me stood in front of you and said, I love you, I would have said, you know, like somebody just please take this guy outside and beat him. You know, come on, get rid of this guy. But it's really the truth. Today, I, I feel a sense of love. Um, there's no higher than the high we have in relating to each other and helping each other and then loving each other and then in, in providing acts of service as we go through this. So with that, I'll shut up and say thank you so much for having me here. I appreciate it. Thank you, Rick. Thanks so much. What a great, great share on the fifth step. We'll now open the meeting for questions and for or for three-minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask that you accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone. And the Zoom host will call the raised hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Would the timekeeper please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when the time is up. If the speaker is asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. Uh, Okay, and the Zoom host will call the names in order. All right, Nancy, you're up, please. Hi, thanks. Um, that was awesome, Rick. I, um, I have to say it was very well done. And um, my name is Nancy P. I'm recovered in Western Massachusetts. I'm grateful here. So you know, the fifth step is this, you know, we have these windups, the fourth step is this windup and the fifth step is the pitch. And, you know, I tell my own sponsees, don't worry about the fourth step, it's only a list. We don't have to be afraid of any lists. If we write a grocery list, it's not scary. We write a to-do list. It's not really scary because even if we don't get anything done, who cares, right? It's just a list. But the fifth step is really where the rubber hits the road. And, you know, that's why it's the pitch, right? You know, and, um, the fifth step is the, is the first example of why, besides all the good stuff about, you know, best reason first, we won't get over drinking or eating, but it's the beginning of fellowship, like you said, about, you know, the end of isolation, but really what it is, is it's the first like tangible evidence of giving up where my own thinking got me. Otherwise, if I have it to say it to myself, I'll just be like, you know, whatever the shadowy, business or whatever I say, 
just sort of comes out of this mist that obscures everything and I go on my way, you know, I go on about my business. But the reason that they say it, it says, in the sense we find it necessary. So not just any way, like to another person, you know, you have to say it out loud to another person. Otherwise, look where Nancy P's thinking got her, you know, 211 pounds at five, one and a half, angry, resentful, you know, just a disaster walking and I, spreading disaster wherever I went. Um, and this, you know, yes, I did refer to my list because of course that's the beginning of the skill set that we learned, but this is the beginning of this step here is the beginning of giving up my acknowledge, seeing and acknowledging and giving up the thinking that got me there in the first place, because there was no other way that I was going to get there, none. And I tell my sponsees, don't worry about the list and don't worry about me because you already know what you've done. Whatever it is that takes care of you knows what you've done. And I don't care because I've either done it myself or I'm intimately acquainted with someone else who has. Like there's nothing new under the sun, you know, nothing. And um, so I don't have to worry anymore. And, you know, I will say one last thing is um, I did all these steps and I did them immediately and as hard as I could, but they didn't come out of the oven, so to speak, forgive the metaphor, until I finished the 11th step. So all of these steps sort of were steps in the preparation to finish them so that I could work with other people. And, you know, this fellowshipping business is so important. That's the, it's the beginning of, you know, acknowledging and getting rid of the thinking that got me here in the first place. It's also another step towards, you know, fellowship with another human being that, um, starts to break through that that aloneness that I felt my whole life. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy. I'm up next. Hey, everybody. I'm Meredith, compulsive reader in Nashville. Um, I just experienced another miracle today and um, last night. But my uh, precious 18-year-old son is really going through it and um with this girl and um he he tried to break up with her last night and she's like threatening scary things and he's like came to me freaking out and scared he said i'm so scared and he was just a, a wreck and um I, I don't know. I just was able to be there for him in a way that I've never been. I was cool headed. Um, I mean, by appearances, I might've been freaking out a little on the inside. Um, but he, I'm, I'm so proud of him. I'm just so proud of him, how he's sensing what he needs and expressing it. And this relationship is too burdensome for him. But talking about the love, you know, I was afraid for her, for her life. And I, I called the crisis hotline this morning, which gave me perspective on, you know, what I should do. I don't want to be one of those people who says one day, man, if only we had you know, called somebody or done something. I don't, I don't want that to be me. 
So, and I, and I called her mother and I just said, I was concerned about her and, you know, and I reached out to her and I expressed to my son that, well, it's just a miracle that I want her to be well. Um, I want everyone to be, I want my son to be well and safe. And I, I want that for her too. Um, I don't know if I could have felt that way before, but it's, it's like, I think Martin Luther King said, you know, if one of us, um, isn't free, then none of us are free. And if one of us isn't loved, then none of us are, I think it's the same principle. Um, so I don't know. I, I just, this is, that's amazing to me. I don't, I mean, that this is happening in my life and uh, I'm able to be there for him. And he is, um, you know, I said that to him. I said, I want her to be well and safe and cared for, but I'm standing with you. You're my, you're my guy. You're my number one. Um, That's three. Okay. Thanks. I'll pass. Um, yeah. Thanks for letting me share all that. <laughs> I'll pass. Thanks. Um, Francesca, you're next. I'm glad to see you. Oh, wait, let's see. Thank you, Meredith. Um, hi, everyone. I'm Francesca. I'm grateful to be here. Couples of a reader, bulimic, restrictor. Um, thank you, Rick, for your share. Um, it was lovely to see just the energy flowing through you and everyone's reaction to you. I wanted to ask you um, what surrender means to you, um, what that looks like. Uh, for you. <laughs> Thanks. Right. Okay. Um, surrender is, is so many, so many different things. The first place where I, where I really, and, and some of us, we talk about this a lot. So if I, when I first look at the first step, you know, I admit that I'm powerless, but I can admit that I'm powerless and go up to the buffet and have like three more, you know, but then the second level of acceptance of admission is acceptance. I accept that I'm a compulsive overeater. And then there's an even better one for me, and this is just for me. And that is that I surrender to some process that's really beautiful. And I not only admit that I'm a compulsive overeater, but I admit that because of that, I'm able to work through the solution and have a way of life that's just that's just a miracle. That's what what's Fred saying in um I found a way of living. It is infinitely more satisfying and hopefully more useful than the life I lived before. So that's one place that is surrender. Um, surrender is also, you know, in the third step, with it's I surrender my my will and my life over to the care of the God of my understanding. Um, surrender is so it's more than just putting up. It, it is throwing up the white flag. You know, I fought a good fight, but I lost. You know, but then it's also. I surrender to to something beautiful, and and um, and that's nice. So that's something that I can be happy about. I'm not being sanctioned here. I'm not being penalized by being a compulsive overeater. I'm being exposed to a way of living that's beautiful. Thank you, Francesca and Rick, Roberto. Hello everyone, I'm Roberto. I am a compulsive overeater. Grateful to be here. 
thank you, Rick, for your uh, sharing your experience. I, I also have a question. Um, you said um, you said I I am not better than anyone, um, nor do I feel less than anyone. Um, so you you know that right size feeling is something that I really struggle with. Um, sometimes I feel superior. Most of the time I feel inferior. Um, and uh, you know the inferior feels a little worse. The superior feels a little bit better for a few seconds, but at the end it's the same egocentric pride emptiness um, that I feel that is negative, that you know defect, uh, character defect. Um, and I'm I'm praying for humility. Um, but my question is, if you struggle with this um, at the at the beginning of of your program, how did you act as if you were right side? Well, you know, I, I think that that's a process that really, it takes time. It takes time. The The starting point is, and, and something I say to people, and it's easy to say it, but not so hard to, not so easy to get it, is that, so it took you, you know, you're a certain age, and let's say you're, you're 20 or you're 30 or you're 40. So if it took me 25 or 30 years to develop those character defects, to develop those circumstances that led to my character defects, that led to my being prideful and filled with ego. I can't expect that I'm going to be cured in a few days. You know, one of the things they found out in the early studies on the alcoholics, actually, the first studies was that um, they suffered from two things. One was denial. Don't even have a problem. Don't even know that I'm lying. You know, that reduces the stress you know and the second was grandiosity which was defined grandiosity by the way it's it's something harry deba tebow talks about in in uh in one of the earlier works which is that okay i've got a problem but i can handle it i can handle it you know i can handle it so it really takes a long time i can't expect it to just you know so i so the best thing i can do is is to say I'm just going to stay the path. I'm just going to continue to work on it. I'm going to realize that I'm not going to be better overnight. I, my development of a of a sense of God that really worked, where I was, where I quit the debate. I've never quit the debating society. The debating society quit me, but it took 13 years. You know uh, that pride. They have the the seven deadly sins that you know in character defects: pride, anger, gluttony, greed, lust, envy, and sloth. What's number one? Paggles, that's Paggles, you know. P is number one. Pride is the biggest problem that we have. Our egos are the biggest problems that we have. So because we feel that low sense of self-esteem, then we act in a superior fashion to try to be superior to other people because the truth is that we feel less than other people. If I can come to the realization that it's just going to take time and it's just going to take work and, and take a look at where I'm doing better, you know, and by the way, with each succeeding step, kind of a few pounds falls off of your shoulder. It does. It does. It really does. You know, so I, I just have to know. And, and, you know, I had anger forever. I mean, it wasn't that I went from being hateful to being loving in in 36 days. You know, it's something that just develops, it's something that just continues over a period of time. Um, but the thing about it is we do we practice this program one day at a time. Just one day at a time, I can do something for 12 hours that I would absolutely find loathsome if I had to do it for the rest of my life. That's There used to be a thing called Just For Today, um, which was a little trifold in OA. I think it's still around there. So, you know, 
I can do, but I also have a recognition that it's a lifelong journey. And the beautiful thing is when you get to the point where you say, it's not a destination, I'm not out to get to some place. I'm not out to get to abstinence. I'm not out to get to accomplishment of my goals. Today, the journey, the, the living of the steps, the living of life is what's the most important thing. And it just takes time. It just takes time. I'm old. <laughs> I wasn't always like calm, you know. I was the angriest guy you could ever have imagined. Be good to yourself. Be easier to yourself. It'll work. Promise.